16 year old. Oh. Oh. Hey, they should take it to town. I got coach calling. This is the Creative Coaching Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Lopez. This podcast is designed to help influence the influencers like you, the coach. I hope you enjoy listening to the stories and journeys of some amazing people. Here we go. Today's guest is Charles Thomas. Coach Thomas is an assistant coach at Duquesne University. We talked to him today about listening and taking input, about having good players and that they're good people, and to build to understand others. Hope you enjoy this podcast and you'd like to get better every day. Welcome to the podcast, Coach. I appreciate you having me. Appreciate you having me. Coach Thomas, I really do appreciate your time, man, and, and you coming on to spend some time with us and, and and just you know chop it up and really get down to some some in depth conversation about the game of basketball, your career, uh, how you view things, your perspective, and, and it's it's valuable. All of our perspectives are valuable to a degree, and so uh, I just here again, thank you for coming on. Oh, Mike, thanks for having me, man. You come highly recommended by. Mutual friend of ours, man. So when when I found out you wanted me to do your podcast, I couldn't wait to get on with you. Awesome, man. I'm excited to hear that now. I'm going to start off like I do every podcast coach in that. How are you introduced to the game of basketball? Man, my father. Um, my father played at Gonzaga University back in the late mid to late 60s. Mm. And uh, ever since me and my, and my twin brother, Carl, um, before we could even walk, he would take us to you know, the YMCA or the local gyms that had us in our cribs. And I guess we were hearing the balls bounced in and watching him play ball. And, and I think by the time we were two, he built like a little hoop outside um, in our backyard. And I couldn't even make it up to the rim. My brother couldn't either, but, you know, he kind of put the ball in our hands and we could start walking. So a lot of people say they do it for a long time, but I think since I could walk by the age of two, we had a ball, I had a ball in my hand. Wow. You know, Coach, it's funny you say that. i got a partner right now. He's got a grandson that's two, three years old. And he lowers the hoop for him. He's got the, he's got him dribbling with little balls. Just And so at first I was like, wow, that's cool, man. And then to, to know, you know, hear what you're saying, I can picture I can picture it because I've seen it with my own eyes with a little kid like that. That's good stuff, man. especially when you got twin boys like that. I imagine your dad was on cloud nine. You know, thinking of something. Oh, yeah. I got I got two potential killers right here. And uh so. He told he told my mom, sorry to interrupt you, Mike. He told my mom, um, just have me one son. I only want one. <laughs> if we have a girl, that's fine. I just want one so I can keep playing ball. Mm-hmm. Um and he like he tells people she messed around and had two. So I guess <laughs> I guess it was it was a blessing for him more than more than it was for us. Yeah. Uh, there you go, man. There you go. I know. I know that's got to be double the blessing, though, man. It's awesome stuff. Now, Coach, I want to ask you, you know, who or what influenced you to go into the coaching profession? Um, again, I probably said my father. Um, okay. And then after that, along the way, the relationships I, I, I had with my high school baseball coach, my high school basketball coach, I think thinking back, those, those three men were very impactful on my brother and my life. 
And then when I got to college, just to see the way um, they dealt with young men to help shape us um, from being young men, from being young men to men. Yeah. Um, just, just all of that. And just my love for the gang um, just made me want to be involved. Yeah. Cause I mean, we're talking about your playing career and how extensive and magnificent that was. Uh, you know, it's always hard to make that transition sometimes from being such a great player like you were to, and maybe still are. I don't know, man. We, I mean, we can lace them up one day and figure it out. But, uh, <laughs> you know, having that great playing career and then going into coaching, because sometimes it's, it's the, the real, real good players that have the hardest time teaching and coaching the game or connecting that's, too. That's true. And so, that's very true. And so the fact that you've been able to do that speaks volumes now. I want to ask you about your playing career and, and your experience with basketball all the way through because you said talked about playing baseball. And so obviously you weren't just like a, a one-sport a one cat, but as a player, what was your experience like with coaches and the game itself? How, how did you process all that? Um, my, mine was pretty good. I think because of, I, I keep giving praise to my father, but I think it was pretty good because of him. I mean, he let us go. And once he dropped us off at practice, he was like, that guy's me for the next two hours. Wow. So show, show him the same respect you would show me. Yeah. So even if it was something I didn't believe maybe right away, um, I trusted in what my coaches were saying. And and once a coach sees that you have trust in him, he put, he gives you more. Yeah. And I think it just transcended from that. That's kind of the way I like to coach too. As I, like to, I like to show the guys that I trust them. I want to hear what they have to say. And I think they allow me to have my input more. But again, you're going to hear me probably say a lot in this podcast about my dad. I, I give my dad a lot of a lot of credit for all that because it pretty much started from him. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. That means that that relationship was healthy. Uh, that relationship was stable and present. Uh, because yeah, I mean, I have my father has the same kind of influence on me. Everything I think about, like why do I do what I do, and it's like pops. And then, yeah, my mom, she's got a huge imprint as well. And But when it comes to athletics and coaching, my dad was right there. And so uh, I hear you, man. I hear you loud and clear. So if you want to repeat it, you go ahead, man. It's your world. Uh, All right. So, yeah, yeah. so I want to ask you about your first coaching experience. Can you recall like a memorable moment where it was like, okay, this is real. I'm not a player anymore. This is This is serious. I've got responsibilities, and I'm going to be held to account. Anything like that that you can remember? Honestly, it was when it was my very last year playing pro ball over in Sweden. Okay. Um, I the, the head coach wasn't in the huddle. Started the second half. I, I don't know where he was at, and it was taking time. And the people, the referees, were trying to get us out to the court. I just got on one knee. I didn't get the clipboard. I got on one knee and said, "Okay, guys, what we're going to do?" At that moment, I was like, "Yeah, I can do this." <laughs> you know, awesome. and, you know, lucky, lucky for us, he went out there executed the play, and you know, we started second half with a bucket. Yeah. Um, but that was probably the very first one uh, when I really realized I could do this. But it hit me my first moment when I was at Radford University, my very first job, and my first time out, I'm like super happy, like yes, first time out, give all this input, and I start to say stuff. And, and Byron Samuels, my, my first boss, looked at me and said, Charles. You don't think I can see everything that you're telling me? <laughs> he said, uh, you have to, he said, 
you know, you need to not subscribe subscribe to me what's going on, but you got to give me prescription for what's going on. Mm. And it didn't hit me at that moment, but I was like, yo, that was very deep. Even though he yeah. was being kind of a jerk to me, he was kind of like, yo, just don't tell me what you see, right? Tell me how to fix this. Yeah. That was probably my first moment. I was like, okay, coaching, this isn't what you see on TV. Yeah. At timeouts and sitting on the bench and stuff like that is way deeper than that. And that was my first experience, my very first job, you know, 16, 17 years ago, and I've never forgotten that. You know, Coach, you bring up a great point about it's not what we see on TV because a lot of cats get into this coaching thing, and I don't even want to call it a profession at that point. That's being really, really nice about it for some people. But uh, it's like I saw Coach Pop, I saw Coach Phil Jackson, I see Mike Krzyzewski, and and I just want to stomp on the floor and have really cool quotes and – People think I'm so heady and stoic and all those things, except they forget about the practices, the scheduling. (laughs) They forget about all these things, the game, the IQ that it takes to basically structure everything and build your system, build your team culture, build all these things. They just want the panage of stepping out there and stomping on the floor. So, yeah, I think that's one thing, if anybody's listening, like, Listen, listen to how this thing's folding out. You want to get involved in coaching at a level that you feel you belong at? Cool. Whatever level that is, make sure you're taking it serious. Make sure you understand exactly why you're doing what you're doing and how to find solutions because the game is full of imperfections and problems, especially when it comes to dealing with, you know, 10, 12 other people, uh, five, no people five people at a time, actually. So, yeah. I think that was great for your coach to to kind of put you through that now. As you think about that and that that kind of form of leadership and leadership you've been through with your father, with your coaches, with your the different uh, head coaches that you've coached with, uh, how would you describe your leadership style and and how you would you conduct yourself? Um, I mean, kind of I guess players coaches is an overused probably term and, and it's it's kind of loose in vague at times, but I think, you know, from being a player for, for so many years, I played 17 years professionally. Um, I, I kind of coached the way I wanted to be coached. Mm. You know, I wanted somebody to be hard and direct with me so I could, so, so I wouldn't mess up, right? If I made a mistake, if I touched a hot iron, you know, let, before I touch it, let me know. Yeah. You know, I wanted to be that kind of guy, but also the kind of guy that gave the guy some input because at the end of the day, they're out there playing. I may see something, but I don't see what they see when they're going through, you know, nine of the guys on the court. Um, and, and being a point guard, too, I think that, it, that, that I used to be able to read the game really well. But I want guys to be able to read the game, and then I give them feedback, and then we talk about it. Um, and in the heated moment, maybe I say, hey, this is what we got to do. No, no questions asked. But I just think just some give and take with yeah. them because they're the ones playing, and they're the ones feeling it every day and every minute. So – I try to listen to what they what they think, and then I give my input, and then we go. Now you can't do that a hundred percent. Sometimes you gotta. Hey, this is what it's gonna be like. You can't give full autonomy to everybody, yeah, right? Right. But but I think a little bit of give and take. They know when they made a mistake, so I'm not just gonna um, forgive my friends. I'm not just gonna bitch about every every single mistake because guys know when they made a mistake. Yeah. Right. But I, I want to be able to be there to quickly to help them get over that mistake, and let's keep going. Yeah, and point certain things out so they don't make it again. So yeah, I mean, I guess I want to be all encompassing. I, I want to be hard, but I and firm, but I also want to be you know understanding and caring at the same time, so they just relax and can play. 
Yeah, I mean, I think at the at the core of every human being, when you like you said, they know they made a mistake. Uh, it's always hard for us to admit that, first of all, and just like it is for a player to sit there and say, "No, I didn't," and you know, smack their gums or pull a jersey out. But at the end of the day, when you talk about being understanding, I think that's what what every player wants. They just want their coach to understand them. Like, you may not be able to fix the problem immediately. You may not able you may not be able to make up for what you did wrong, but if you have your coach there to say, "Hey, I understand. We all make mistakes. You made one. Let's learn. Let's move forward." And and like you said, there's a time and a place. There's a time to be hard on them, and there's a time to be a little easy on them, and just talk right. to them. Get your hand behind their back. Say, "Hey, look, young man, this is what's going on, and just don't do it again." You know. And then yeah, so I like that idea. I like that approach, coach, because uh, listening is huge for me and with others, especially players, my, my kids, my wife, I mean, my whole family, and then to get their input, you know. And you said it, it was great the way you, you, you eclectically you just put it together, eloquently put it together, I should say, in that, you know, the input, you'll get it from them. It's not always going to be that way, but when you can, you do, and I like that, Coach. So I would ask you about, some components of building culture. Cause yeah, another, you know, hot word, key term, culture, environment of your team, of a team. Uh, what are some of the key components that you use to build the culture that you desire? Just, just finding, finding guys that, that are, that are team guys that do it for the right reasons. Like I, I tell people all the time, just in recruiting, like the days of, of finding somebody that can score 30 a game are over <laughs> because a, a, a 30 point a game score is not always going to be your best player. Right. He's not always going to be the best teammate. Right. Um, but a guy that can get 30, that can play within his team and empower the rest of his team. Um, those are the kind of guys that want to recruit. So how hard do you work? Yeah. Um, how much do you actually love it? Cause everybody says they love it, but how much do you actually love it? Yeah. Um, is he a team guy? Does he only play when he has the ball? How was he? I mean, I watch when I go recruiting. I watch him on the sideline. How was he when he goes to the bench? Yeah. You know, is he, is he cheering for his team? Does he put a towel over his head? Is he responsive to a coach walking down there and saying something to him? All everything that has to, has to do with not putting the ball in the basket is what I try to pay attention to. And I think if you do that, you can't. It's not a hundred percent fail fail safe, but I think if you do that, you find yourself to get win, winning type guy. Yeah. Um, and the more winning type guys you get, the culture will build itself because there's going to be that hard work. There's going to be that accountability. There is going to be buy-in. There is going to be team. And when you have all that, I think that's when your culture is built. So you can say, I want to build a culture. But if you don't get guys that already come in with those kind of attributes, it's going to be tough to build the culture that you want. Yeah. At least in my opinion. No. I've never built a team, but that's how if I'm building a team right now, I'm a head coach or going to be a head coach. I step into that role. That's the kind of guys I want to get. Yeah, no, coach, and, and I appreciate you saying that and kind of prefacing that with that with that idea of like, well, one day when I'm the head coach, because that's what this is, man. We're I'm bringing you on because I want this to kind of you don't ever know who's listening, right? And so they they might get to the answer of, hey, how would this guy build a team? I'm I want to hire him. And so one of the greatest ways you just talked about right now is you just laid it out like the game has changed. So how are we going to build it? Things are going to change again at some point. How are you going to build it? Are you going to be stuck in your mindset of, I need I need that guy to to go. I need Pistol Pete Maravich 
scoring 50 <laughs> points a game at the college level. Like, it's not going to happen. It's just not going to – because if it does happen, everybody's going to get ostracized and just watch basketball and not play it. Or are you, are you going to get, you know, uh, that, that young man from K-State right now, Noel, just dropping dimes everywhere and then making plays too. I mean, you just – you never know – what the game is going to present and how you're going to recruit and build your, your culture. Cause you're going to build a culture of some sort and <laughs> whether you like it or not, you're going to have right. some kind of culture, but the one that you need, the one that you really desire is going to take a really thoughtful and intentional uh, approach. So I, I appreciate you saying those things, coach. Now the game, the game is super humbling and here again, man, I mean, your playing career, I mean, geez, guy. I mean, Eastern Michigan Hall of Famer. Uh, you got inducted in 2021, played in the league. I uh, have all these accolades uh, when you were at Michigan, Eastern Michigan. I mean, so many things that you've accomplished. And now as a college coach, how has this game humbled you or taught you to humble yourself? Um, in my very first experience going to uh, going to Eastern Michigan, um, I mean, I'm in – I'm in the Hall of Fame at my high school. Got my jersey retired. Wow. I think, you know, when I go to, you know, I played, I was All-State football, All-State basketball, All-State baseball. Uh, dra- drafted by the Toronto Blue Jays coming out of, out of high school as, as a base, as a pitcher. Wow. So, I mean, I, I, did, I did a lot of good things, right? But then, you know, I get to Eastern Michigan, I'm thinking, man, I went there to play, and I know I can play. Man, I played 15 games out of 32 my very first year. Mm. 15. Wow. I only scored four points, four points total. I had a dunk, and I had a pull-up jumper. I thought was a three, ended up being a two because my foot was on the line. That's it. My very first college shot was against my hometown school, Michigan State, and I shot an air ball. So how does it humble you? It humble you when I go from all those accolades, you know, McDonald's All-American nominee and all that stuff, all this, all that in high school. When I get there, I play 15 games. And then I watch my twin brother be one of the best rookies in the league and average eight and a half points on a, on a MAC championship team that played in the NCAA tournament. If that doesn't humble you, I don't know what will. Wow. But the good story after all that is the next year as a sophomore. Oh, and I was told to go play 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 baseball because it may not be for me to play basketball Ooh. there at Eastern Michigan. So wow. with all that, I came back the next year and I started for the next three years and got didn't get drafted, but I made it to the NBA like right after that three and my going into my fourth year. So if that doesn't humble you and get you prepared to what you're going to do in life and how you're going to overcome some adversity, especially when you're told this may not be for you, then I truly, truly don't know what will. Wow. Yeah, no, that'll, uh, in every aspect of what we do, hopefully we don't ever hear that from our spouses, but uh, where you don't want to hear that is in your vocation. Where you don't want to hear that maybe this, this ain't for you is you know, as an aspiring, you know, player to get better, uh, all those things, especially when you're used to being the top dog everywhere you've been. And so, yeah, I can't even imagine how humbling that was. It shocks shocks your system, I'm sure. Yeah, it was tough. Yeah, It definitely was tough. So, Coach. It definitely was tough. Yeah, we talked a little bit earlier about, you mentioned earlier about feedback. Uh, So I want to ask you is, how important is feedback in helping you become a better teacher, leader, and coach, and mentor? It just it gets you better by you correcting mistakes that you made. It's almost like watching yeah. game film, right? Yeah. So there's two ways to watch game film. I was just talking to a buddy 
a buddy of mine who's a high school coach. Um, just this this earlier today, to be honest, and we were talking about this is how you watch the film. Well, you got to watch it the first time just to get all the you know the giggles and the good stuff, good times out, of it, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you know you got to you got to jump, you got to cross over, make somebody fall. You're gonna you're gonna watch that. You're gonna be excited about that all that. Yeah, yeah. And then then you got to watch it. Like, well, how did they guard me? All right. Well, how did I guard them? How come that guy kept scoring? Like, then you watch and you break it down objectively about how to get better. And I think that's how you improve, you know, with anything as, as a coach. I think getting feedback from your players, like, hey, how do you want to be coached, man? This is what I want to do. I want to be able to hold you accountable, but how do you want it? Right? And then once they say that's how they want it, you hold them to that. Yeah. Right? But if they don't tell me, if we don't have that back and forth and that trial and error kind of, kind of thing, I don't think anybody gets better. The players don't get better. And you don't get better as a coach because you can't just do it your way. Yeah, it's 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 not like that. It's, it's a team sport. Even when you're the coach and you're you know the dictator, so to speak, you can't run it that way. Too many moving you know, parts. You ha- yeah, yeah. You have to have the final say. It's your program, but but at the end of the day, you have to get input from your assistant coaches. You got to in- get input from your your hardest workers that are in there grinding every day because they're vested into into what's going on with your program. And then I think you, you have to have your, still your own ideals and beliefs and not back off of them. And I think with all that, you know, you could have something great. You have, but with all that being said, you have to have good players as well as good people for all that even to take place. You can have the best laid plans, but if you don't have those other two, it's not going to happen. Yeah. No, no that, that's a great point. Good players, good people. I mean, that's, that's kind of optimum because there's a lot of good players that may not equal good people. And that that's just the truth. Sometimes the prima donna player, the high maintenance guy, that's hard to deal with sometimes. Like that makes them not a bad person, but just not a good one. And you're just trying right. to figure out, man, this could spread to the whole team. And what am I going to do to fix that? And that's where the feedback comes in. Because even when it comes to situations like that where you have a player that's causing a ruckus and it's causing dissension even, you want to make sure you get feedback from people like, hey, what's really being said? And how do you really feel because I heard about you saying this or that? Uh, just really, it's, you're able to do that. And about the film thing, that's great. That's great insight because it's like the saying goes, men lie, women lie, but the film does it. And so just, right. just a great teacher to go back and, and level out some of those mistakes for the next game. Now, Coach, mental health, we talk a lot about mental health as it pertains to players. We still don't do it enough, quite honestly, but we do it. Uh, but now I would ask you for, for yourself, the team, the staff, coaches. I have a big, big, big uh, kind of emphasis that I like to make on mental health in general in the game, but for coaches too, like there needs to be a more uh, concise effort to help, to look into that. So how important is that for you uh, and the staff that you're a part of and the team that you're a part of? It's, it's big. I mean, it's, it's good with the staff. I'm, I'm with at Duquesne university um, because we've all been together for 13 years. Um, wow. And, and the head coach, Keith Danbrot, who's, who's famous for, for being LeBron James' first high school coach. Yeah. He'd be mad if I didn't say that. So, the Coach, <laughs> there you go if you're listening. Shout out, bro. Um, he, uh, 
I've known him for 36 years. One of our other coaches has known him for 39 years. Wow. He coached the one, the coach for 39 years. He coached him as it, as an NAIA, at NAIA school. I mean, he was assistant. He was a head, head assistant coach at Eastern Michigan my first two years there. Helped recruit me. Um, there's two other guys on our staff. He coached them at the University of Akron when he was a head coach there. So that mental health part goes a long way in that regard because we all know each other yeah. outside of just playing basketball. Yeah. We all kind of grew together. As for me and for me and all the other coaches as teenagers to, to right now with, with this man. So I think what our staff is a little different than most. We may be one of the, the longest tenure staffs um, that's been together in Division One right now. Yeah. So we don't struggle as much, but there's still their lows in it because at the end of the day, when you're with somebody, it's like being with your wife, it's always work, right? Like you may love each other, <laughs> but you're going to have those arguments. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the thing is, when you the thing is, are you bounce back from those arguments because of you know the relationship you have and, and the talking that you're not afraid to do to each other? Yeah. And I think when your players see that, it transcends through them. Now, when it comes to the players, and you didn't really ask that, but when it comes to the players, it's like they have to see you're on one accord and know there's trust there. But then you also have to understand if they're not playing. If they lost their girlfriend, yeah. if they're struggling in school with a test, yeah. like so, you're not only being a father figure, a mentor, a psychiatrist, a dad. Like you're being everything, right? So, yeah. you have to try to build your relationship so you understand when certain things happen. It's not just okay, they're just having a bad day. You can really hone into it, and then on turn and turn from that, they're willing to come to you and really have an open dialogue with you about what they're feeling and how they're feeling. Yeah, and I think if you have that, that that goes a long way through the mental health um, aspect of it because now you don't feel like you have to bottle it up and hold it in. Yeah, and then and then go off the handle one day because you just had enough, and it, right. And it usually is the wrong person that you take it out on. Uh, exactly. You you say things you don't mean. You might do things you didn't mean to do. And then it turns into a whole fiasco of regret and a lot of forgiveness. And you kind of pity. Then you start pitying yourself. So this is just a bad cycle altogether, man. Altogether. Yeah, I get it. I understand it. And I like what you're talking about, building to understand others, especially the, the, the young men that we all work with. It's like, I remember being that age. I remember, like you said, cat losing his girlfriend like that's the end of the world right there man i mean like she was the one the fifth yeah, especially she, the young guy yeah she was the fifth one but she was the one you know <laughs> yeah. or, or whatever <laughs> but you know right. it, we'd say that jokingly because we've been there we know that there's going to be a tomorrow the sun's going to come up and and you'll you'll bounce back and but they don't know that at the moment and, no, 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 no. Yeah. and i give a shout out to my mom when it comes to that like awesome my mother is my best friend Awesome. Like, I love my dad. My dad has, has done a lot for me. He's helped shape me to the man I am. But I'd be remiss to not shout out my mother because that woman is everything. Wow. Like, she's everything. Wow. And she's literally my best friend. And I talk to my mom about everything when I'm struggling. Uh-huh. I call her. If I'm on the road, a long road trip, and I haven't talked to her in a while, I call her. Yeah. And, like, she's even done interviews when I first went to the NBA, and they, and they interviewed my mom. She said, yeah, me and, my, me and Charles are like brother and sister. We have a really good rapport. When we have something wrong with each other, we always talk. Wow. And I think that openness I have with my mother has helped me be that way with everybody. Yeah. Because I try to do everything in her eyes. Like, 
would my mother really want me to do this? Would my brother, would my mother really want me to have, you know, say this to this young man? My mother, would she want me to just listen to this young man? So I, I get it honestly from her. And part of that's my personality too. As much as I love to talk, as you can tell right now in this podcast, I, I, li- I listen just as well. Yeah. And I think I have that, I think it's relaxing for people. Um, almost like it would be to go to a psychiatrist. So I try to be that for my players. I try to be that for my friends. I try to be that to other coaches around the business. I try to be that for young coaches trying to get into business or want to stay in the business or move up. Um, and I don't have all the answers, but, but I try to give them my experiences and it seems to help them. And, and I don't think I have any enemies in the business. I hope I don't. Yeah. But I don't think I have any enemies in the business or in life. Yeah, and you know, Coach, having six kids, man, I mean, that'll – That'll that's a that's a daunting task. That's your team right there, and to be able yeah. to take that mindset with raising your children, your seeds, because how you were raised is how you're probably going to raise your kids, and to have one thousand percent to have your mother there like that, to be that integral and just really uh, formative. Uh, your years, your formative years, was there for you, and, and you could be who you wanted to be. And you had truth tellers, and she was one of them. And that's the thing about moms. Like, my mom's like that. Strong woman, uh, no nonsense, will love you hard, just as hard as she'll tell you the truth. And so that's mm-hmm. uh, that's something that, that's very comforting to hear. And I, and I hope that coaches listening, like, hey, you got to go back and remember the goodness about your upbringing. And if you, you have that goodness, it's in you. And you can do it for others. You don't think you can. Just fall back on that and remember that. Now, Coach, I want I want sure. to ask you about the impact that you feel like you've had on the game in every single way that you can imagine. Uh, how impactful do you think or you feel? Because I'm sure the game has impacted your life, obviously. But how impactful, sure, yeah. how impactful do you feel like you've been in the basketball community? Um, Kind of just what I was telling you now. You know, how I feel like I no enemies in, in the game or in life. But the, the one story I'll give you about that is, and where I know that I, I'm making a difference, is when I was at the University of Akron, mm-hmm. I, I really tried to, to dive in our kids. I do it at Duquesne, too, and I did it at Rapper, But, man, I love these kids. And, and some of them have some hard upbringings. Yeah. But one day, I'm sitting at home during the pandemic, right after the pandemic, or maybe it was right before, I can't remember exactly when. We get on a, now it's Zoom, but it was, just, it was just a FaceTime conference call, right? It's five of my former players from University of Macro I'm on the phone with. And we're all on FaceTime. And we didn't, go off, we didn't get off for an hour and a half. Wow. And all of them told me they loved me. And I told them I loved them when we got off. Yeah. And at that moment when I hung up that phone, I was like, wow. I know coaches talk to former players. I know this and that. I said, but how many coaches, especially assistant coaches who aren't the head, head guy making all the, you know, making all the hard calls, because I know it's hard being a head coach making those tough calls, can literally say they talk to five players at once on a FaceTime conference call. And these guys were in five different countries. Wow. And yeah. at that point, I was like, man, I don't care how much money I've made to this point, that was worth it. And then after that, I felt compelled to call three more of my players individually. And they have to get off a regular call. We had to FaceTime. Yeah. And again, we said, we love you when we get off the phone. And one of them out of those eight 
one of the guys tweeted at that moment, I just got off the phone with one of the realest coaches I've ever I've ever known. Wow. Awesome. Appreciate appreciate and love you, coach. And I was like, I'm doing it for the right reason. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's that's how I felt my biggest impact was at that I felt my biggest impact at that moment right then. Yeah, no, because you don't at the moment when you're going through that process of a season, uh, kind of bringing them up in a sense, you may not get that. Hey, I love you, coach, because it's like, man, right now I'm not. I don't I may not love you because we got to run, we got to get to the weight room, and we got to wake up at six in the morning to do this <laughs> and that. There's not a whole lot of like affection flowing through the air, but at the end of the day, once they've grown up and they've matured and they've slowed down a little bit. And they're able to see, you know, the forest for the trees and smell the coffee and the roses and all that stuff, right? They exactly. they start to understand, like, this is what some people meant in my life that I didn't even realize at the time, maybe. Or maybe I did realize it. I just didn't know how to articulate it to them and let them know my true feelings. And so, exactly. yeah. Yeah, now, when you've had that kind of impact, Coach, uh, where, where guys can come back and they want to talk to you and they want to spend time with you. And they, they just, they feel that sense of like home, your home, you, wherever you are, that's where home is. And so that's a, a great feeling. It's a fantastic feeling. And then here again, the goal to do these interviews is to let coaches know, you know, hey, you can, you, if you don't feel like you've had that or you can have that, you can. It's just a matter of caring about people, making people a top priority in what you're doing because without them, you don't you don't have a job, <laughs> you know. No, we don't have anything. We don't have this business at all. Yeah, we, you're right. Remember COVID, <laughs> you know. When yeah, that, you're right. It was like, who, who are we coaching? Yeah, like, I have a I have this title, but there's nobody in my gym. <laughs> there's nobody right. that I'm telling what to do other than maybe my kids and well, my wife's telling me what to do now. But I'm not doing anything. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. And so we got right. we got to really focus on why we do what we do and who we are serving, uh, because they're not there to serve us. Even though it feels like it's uh, reciprocal, that reciprocation no doubt. Come, the reciprocation comes when they see how much you care. So that there's no doubt about yeah, that. Great no stuff. doubt. Now, coach, two of those guys I got in an argument with, and they didn't talk to me for over a month. Wow. So so to go full circle like years later for that. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it was. I mean, they, they understood as they got older. Hey, coach, I understood why you did that. I didn't like it, yeah. but I understood why you did that. Yeah, that you know. Yeah. And their parents even still talk to me, so that's why I, I know that I know I was doing the right thing, even though I hated not talking to them for the month. Yeah, and, it comes and at back. the time I didn't care. I was like, "Don't talk to me." Then. <laughs> yeah, and it comes back to understanding, coach, like you said, understanding people and them understanding you when you can do both. At the same time, man, you, you have a great relationship building now. Uh, your support system, Coach, like I said, you got you got six kids, man. So just right there alone, you got a great support system, right? So yeah. overall, your family, your your friends, other coaches, how important is your support system? It's everything. Like I said, when I'm struggling, I, I call my mother. Um when my kids are struggling, I, they call me, you know, because unfortunately I'm, I'm not married anymore. I'm divorced. Um, and all my sons and then my one adopted daughter, which is a whole other story in itself, she's the oldest. They all know they can pick up that phone and call me. Um, and then now my girlfriend, now Carrie, supports me 
like no other. So from 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 my love right now to my children, to my parents, to my twin brother who I talk to every day, who's probably my biggest supporter. Um, with all that, I still got my mind. And and thank the Lord she's she's you know still above ground and seventy six years old and still wow. as fry as can be. Wow. Um she's the one. I have my brother, I have my girlfriend, I have my kids, but the biggest supporter unconditionally is Rashara Yvonne Thomas. That's my girl and 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 thank God for her. But I, I, I have my friends too, you know, but the main was my mom, then my brother, my girlfriend. Um, my two best friends, Tony and Tim, are unbelievable. Um, I can go without ten years without talking to them. Talk to them the next day. It's like we never missed a beat. Um, <laughs> yeah, I you know, and then some, yeah. So those people alone, right there. And I got a big circle, but when it comes to who I really, really dive into, it's very close and very tight. Yeah. And, uh, and and they don't. And the best thing about them and anybody listening, you need this in your life. They don't. Just tell me what I want to hear, ever. They always tell me the opposite, so I never get too full of myself. Because I'm already full of myself as it is. <laughs> I think I'm the greatest, yeah. and no matter what it is. And they always hold me, hold me, hold me to what I'm, what I'm supposed to be feeling like and thinking like. And they keep me grounded. They never let me get too big, even though my ego is already huge. They never let me get too big, and they don't have a problem telling me about it. Either. And that's why I love them all so much. Yeah. Now it's and it's important here again. The, the life of a college coach is one where here you, you just there's nothing solidified by anything and permanent and success isn't guaranteed to you no matter how great of an X's and O's guy you are and all your accomplishments they mean nothing the next year I mean we see you know national champions getting bounced in first rounds now we see crazy stuff like that and so Where's the support system to help you to bounce back? Uh, where's the support system to help you to stay grounded like you're talking about and helping you to curb that ego and check it? Because, yeah, even if you've had a lot of success, you got to check that ego. And even if you've had no success, somebody needs to be there to help you build back your ego to a degree because we all got an ego, whether we want to admit it or not. And so, it's, yeah. and so at the end of the day, even when you're lacking confidence, it's like players. The player who doesn't have confidence needs to stay home, sit on the bench, eat some popcorn or something. But right. coaches are the same. If you don't have confidence, uh, you need a support system that will help you build that back up and tell you, and okay. tell you really who you really are. And exactly. Thank goodness for me, I'm never going to lack some confidence. Yeah. That's one thing I never lack of. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I'm glad I got those people to keep me grounded because I'm never going to lack for that. You don't believe, if you don't believe I, in yourself, no one will, right? Yeah. I, 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 coach, all, everything you laid out for us, I believe you, man. Because I've been just now just getting to know you, I feel like, okay, man, I kind of, I wish I'd have had that, man. Jeez. I'd walk around every day like my stuff don't stink. And, <laughs> this is great stuff, man. Great stuff. Now, uh, the game, your your career, some of the things that you look in, in the past, you know, we talked about making mistakes and learning from them. What has your career uh, taught you about yourself? Because you, you want to learn and grow and develop. And what, what has it taught you about yourself? Just, honestly, <clears throat> 
everything in life, man. It's just, it's, I, I thrive off other people's successes. Mm. And, and being a point guard, a quarterback, you know, and, and a pitcher, always being that lead role. Like, my brother led us in home runs when I was in high school. I was probably one of the best pitchers in the state. Um, but I was happy that he was saving my butt at times hitting the, hitting the home run or getting a big hit. Yeah. Right. I was, I enjoyed that. Like Magic Johnson was my idol in basketball. So even though I love to dunk, want to shoot a three, all that stuff. If I throw a pass between my legs behind my back or no look, I get just excited if I just bang a three. Yeah. You know, and in the football, like if I, if I throw a five yards, you run for a touchdown. I'm happy you showed your ability to get five people. Not that I threw a 70 years, 70 yards. You just caught the end zone. Mm. Like it was always just being a, a guy, a giver, you know, to my people and they can receive. Yeah. Um, and I think that's just me in life. So, uh, I don't know if that answered the question, but yeah, I think no. that's just me. And yeah. I just think that's me in totality is I think I'm a servant, um, for people. And I think that's why I'm coaching. I think that's why I'm here. Like, yes, I want to be a head coach in the worst way. Um, but I think I can still serve and do what I'm doing as an assistant coach. Yeah. It, it doesn't slight me as a coach at all. Um, but I think I'm, I'm, I'm put here to be a leader of men, of young men and all the mistakes I went through and all the good things I went through to help keep shaping young men um, and let them know that hey, you can do what I'm doing. And this is how I got to that point. Yeah. And I, I think, I think that's what I'm here for. And I think that's what I'm always going to do. I did as a player. I try to do it as a coach. Three or four times I did as a player, the guy took my position. I got cut, you know, as a pro, you know, but I still felt okay because I showed that guy the game. I let him know how to be successful and how, and what steps to go about it. And then his talent took over. He was a little younger. I had to move, you know, and, they, and he stepped up and, and got my spot. And I was okay at the time. I didn't like it. But as I got older, I understood it, man. That's You were supposed to be in that guy's life to help him. Yeah. And I always ended up with another job and, and got to show what I had because of it. So I just think just to being a teacher um, and a servant of, of, of the game and a servant to people, I just think that's what I'm here for in all aspects of life, on and off the court. No, nah, that's great, Coach. Like, you don't know, even I put it this way, to have authority, you need to have learned how to have been under authority. And so, in other words, to lead, you have to been a good lead, a good follower, because a lot of people aren't good followers yet. They want to be leaders. And yes. what is being a good follower? It's saying, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna follow you, not blindly, but I'm gonna follow you to wherever you're taking us. And even if I have to do it for the majority of my career, but once I get my shot and I get to lead, I'm gonna know who who's following me and why they're following me and how to treat them." So I think that's that's a great perspective to have because you've talked about the player aspect, you've talked about the coaching aspect, and that's what this game is made up of players and people and servitude within all that. And that's always going to make you successful, whether you, like you said, make a whole lot of money doing this or you win an NCAA championship or whatever the case may be. You're always going to be successful if you carry that with you. Now, Coach, I want to ask you, because you, you've, you've laid out the why, why you do what you do, but I want to hear maybe more specifically, or, or you can just repeat it. I, I mean, whatever you feel. But why do you do what you do on a daily basis? Um, my love for it. Like, for everything, 
basketball has been bad to me. Mm-hmm. It's been equally as good yeah. in, in so many in so many ways. So I was out of the game before I started coaching at my Division II school, Northwood University in Michigan. For one year, I was out of basketball. I was at Rafford. He, he resigned. I was an assistant principal for a year. I'm um, back in Grand Rapids, Michigan at Alternative High School. And that after that year, it ended up being a very well eye-opening experience for me towards the end of the year. And when I handed out those diplomas to those people, to those young men and women that I never thought would make it through a month of school, I wanted, it almost brought tears to my eyes. But also going through that year, it let me know at that point, I'm a basketball coach. Like, I'm not basketball as who I am, but basketball is who I am at the same time. Mm. And at that point, I was like, look, no matter what, money aside, I want to be a coach. Like, I miss the game. Just going to AAU, coaching my son's AAU teams, and, and just, you know, being a certain game, going to certain games and, and doing stuff like that. Even having the first summer vacations and, and winter breaks and all that stuff that I've never had as a player. Or to that point, I, I miss the grind of it. Yeah. Like it's hard, but I miss it. I miss being a locker room. I miss I miss doing scout reports. You know, I miss the recruiting part, getting to getting this meet new young men and women and their families. Um, you know, as a coach. And then being able to shape somebody's life. Not that I didn't get to do it as an assistant principal, because I think I had a really successful year, you know, once I got the hang of what I was doing. But it's just something about the game. Like I told you when we first started this podcast, I've been doing it before I could walk. I've been in the gym. No. Um, and I had a lot of good and bad along the way, but there's nothing like, you know, this cliche is put the squeak of the, you know, the squeak of the shoes on the court, <laughs> listening to, listening to the ball go through the net yeah. without touching the rim. Yeah. You know, listen to the guys laugh and joke in the locker room, just sitting in there for an hour before they got to go to class. It's BS and talking just about life, just in general. Like I missed all that. So. I, I think that's why I do it, man. I mean, I was out of it, so it, it told me that I missed it. But then if somebody would ask me then, I wouldn't have been able to answer like that. Yeah. But after being out of it, you know, the highs and lows of it, because you're going to win some, you're going to lose some, right? But that's life. Yeah. You know, and basketball teaches you a lot about life. It's how you bounce back the very next play. You make a three, do you get back on defense? Yeah. Right? You get a flat tire, do you fix it? Or do you get mad and call AAA and you soak the whole time? Yeah. Right? Heaven forbid you lose a family member. How do you respond once you, and, and pay tribute to that family member once you get over that grief and, and you get back on the horse? Like, you get all that through athletics and all that through sports, and that's what basketball is giving to me. And I just want to continue to give back. So that's why I do what I do. Awesome, coach. Yeah, you put it together really well. And uh, I just, you know, here again, sitting here taking notes on everything you're saying, and you know, just you going back and running back the different intricacies of uh, an experience with the team. You know, even to the point where you're talking about uh, an hour before practice, just there, you know, shooting the breeze, the locker room talk. Like, yeah, yeah, those are great times, man. Like th- that, just that alone, because you hear things that young men say, and their maturity makes you laugh. Or they're they're stunning to because they did something so great or talked to some girl and they're acting silly about it and it's just that's awesome. That's what makes that experience so much better. And you'll always remember those times. 
You may not remember. You'll never forget that. Yeah, you may not remember what you ate for breakfast two days ago, but you'll remember that. Now, Coach, my last question is always about legacy. And uh, because, yeah, you still got a ways to go. You're not even near done yet. But as we build as coaches to understand, to help, to serve, what would you want to be said of you when your career is all said and done? Man, kind of, kind of how we've been talking about through this podcast. I, I just Charles Thomas did it the right way. He was always open and honest with people, and he always gave a hundred percent, his heart a hundred percent, and left nothing unturned. And if somebody says that about me, you know, and I think the phone call with those guys, you know, calling me, telling me they love you, and I had those phone five guys on the on the call. I think that's what I want to leave when I'm all said and done with, with coaching. Whether I get to be the head coach, which I know I'm going to be at some point, or I'm a, or I'm a lifetime assistant, whatever God has in store for me. Um, I just want people to say that. Like, I'm happy that man was my coach because I'm a better human being because of it. Wow. If they say that about me, I know I did my job. And that's the same thing about being a father. Yeah. I want my kids to say that about me. If my kids look at me with that, with that undying love because of how we are together, I want my players to have that same kind of feeling. No, I'm not their parent, but that's that's the kind of legacy I want to leave. Like, damn, Coach Thomas was that dude, man. I'm, I'm so happy I got to experience being around him um, for the time that I was. And I I almost said four years, but unfortunately, with this <laughs> with kids being able to transfer right away and, yeah, yeah. and this portal and this portal stuff, you really can't say four years like it used to be back in the day. Yeah. Um. But that's what I wanted to be. That he, he did it the right way, and he, and he gave everything he had with his heart. And I'm glad I got to know Charles Thomas because I'm a better human being because of it. Coach Thomas, I really appreciate your time, brother. I mean, this was magnificent. These are the type of interviews that we seek to do all the time and the kind that, that come out all the time. I mean, we just – that's what I love about this platform is that people like you – can let us know what's really going on with you and who you are, who you've been, who you are now, and possibly in the future, what we can all look forward to as you lead a program. And so I thank you. I appreciate your time so much. No, I appreciate you and and, and our mutual friend, our mutual friend, Brian Burton. Yeah. Uh, putting us, getting, getting us together because <laughs> without him, this wouldn't be possible. Yeah. And uh, now I got a new friend. Awesome. You know that Likewise. I can talk to you outside outside the podcast. So please don't lose my number. Likewise. Anytime you want to chat, as you see, I said I can talk. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm here for that. Yeah, I'm here for that too, man. I, I mean, I work with with young people. I've got four daughters, so I'm used to listening really well. And here again, yes, you are. Yeah, man, <laughs> yes, you that's are. That's how it goes, man. So, brother, here again, man. Appreciate you, and thank you so much. No, I appreciate you too, man. Thanks. Thanks again, and uh, have a good rest of this. Not good rest, winter's over, so have a good start to your spring and, and on to the summer.